Welcome to the Brain Food Show. Today, we are we are leaving Caesar behind. I think it's time we left Caesar behind because the last... Did we end up breaking that one into four episodes? Four episodes and very popular according to our metrics. So that worked out, I guess. Which is great. I mean, iTunes introduced metrics so we can now get an idea of what people actually like listening to. And more popular, more popular than the Teddy Roosevelt, which was still popular. But seriously, if anyone's not listened to the Teddy Roosevelt, go back and listen to that. That's an amazing, I thought it was better than the Caesar, but you know, the Caesar was good too. You know what's really curious? I think, you know, your podcast's good when your friends listen to it unprompted. So mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. a good sign because yeah. my friend was listening to this and he was like, I was listening to your podcast, man. And I, I am reading that Teddy Roosevelt book. Oh, really? The, nice. Yeah, the one where he goes down the river. Yeah. What was it called? I don't know. Something about the Amazon of something. And he was like, you'll love this book. Read this book. Yeah. Like, okay. I definitely will. As soon as I've seen The Princess Bride, which uh, <laughs> not done. Which that was a, a, co- a commenter on the forum, I think, a Joel. Uh, he's blown away or she's blown away by the fact that you haven't seen The Princess Bride. I even got an email from someone in the UK telling me it is a UK thing as well. And <laughs> it's my fault that I haven't seen it. So That's yeah, I've really got to get on this. Uh, well, we're meeting next week in, in Seattle. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, I got a long flight. I could I could probably get The Princess Bride on my phone and, uh, yeah. and watch that for that, that journey. You should. Uh, so... Should we, anything we need to update from last time? I'm just thinking, or, well, sorry, I'll just introduce the topic that we're talking about today. So people are like, <laughs> oh, that's good. And then once we've gone through all the banter, they'll actually continue to listen because we're talking about the first car and the road trip that saved it from obscurity. Yeah, this is a great story. And this, this was back in the day. Yeah. And I really like this story because it's, it's, I don't know, it's quite, it's, it's quite interesting with Bertha Benz and her, her, uh, her basically her audacity or gumption or whatever you want to call it uh, that saved her husband's invention and you know saved him from obscurity in his business definitely saved from obscurity with a surname like Ben's with a Z yeah like, uh, yeah you could probably like spoiler alert yeah yeah if we were, if not for her he would have gone nowhere and not because he didn't make a great product but you know for other reasons we'll get into okay uh, should we do some was there any news you wanted to bring up? Anything we need to address before we jump into kind of going through our reviews and stuff like that? Uh, we are now as a uh, hotel for it, maybe how you pronounce that. I don't know on the forum says we are now a told us or she told us we're now on Spotify, which I didn't know at the time. But I guess now you sent me an email after this saying yeah. that we we're on Spotify. Yeah, I am very pleased about this. Yeah. Not only does Spotify take forever to approve you, apparently when they do approve you, they don't tell you like other places do. They usually get like an email or something, but not in this case. Spotify are just like the kings, yeah. uh, you know, just audio. It's like we're Spotify. We do what we want. Yeah, exactly. And they, they really do. But yeah. it's nice they accepted us because I hear it's very hard to get on Spotify. Right. It's not just some like random. Yeah, you just like like iTunes. You could do a podcast about. I don't know, pavements around the world or something, mm-hmm. pale sidewalks, as you would call them. And it could be terrible audio quality and they could be 30 seconds long. You'd get on iTunes. No mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. Spotify, though. Is, uh, yeah. 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 And so, I think we're slightly better than pavement talk. Yeah, so. Let's just let's just step back here for a moment. So this is pavements is this, is what we would sidewalk. I've never heard this. Before. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, That's just interesting. I've never because usually usually at this point, like between all the British authors and things, I usually have most I've like heard most of it but not not this one's never come up you know one of my favorite ones hmm. i had no idea what a backhoe was i think i think i was this was ages ago i think i was like traveling somewhere and i went to like an english bookstore and i bought a book mm-hmm. and it was like i think it was like a john Gr- ah it was it was one of those jack reacher novels by lee mm-hmm. child i don't know if you're familiar with it i love these mm-hmm. books they're mm-hmm. just like mindless easy thrillers mm-hmm. not mindless that's that's too bad i really like these things um anyway and he's talking about we're using this backhoe to do this and the backhoe does that and i'm like 
What is a backhoe and how are you burying a car with it? What is this magical device? And obviously I'd picked up the American version of the book. And yeah. in the English version, they'd be calling it like a tractor or a JCB mm-hmm. or, a, or a caterpillar. Yeah. Um, I think because yeah. we name it after the brands for some reason. Yeah, you might call it that here. But, but yeah, when, when it does have the backhoe attachment, you just stop calling it a tractor for some reason and call it a backhoe. Wait, now I don't know what the backhoe attachment is. I thought a backhoe was just a tractor. Well, I guess I guess uh, some of them have them built in. So, but yeah, you can. Yeah, there's also the optional with a three point hitch on the back. Um, you Dude, can. What is a backhoe though? What is this thing? It's the it's Help the me. it's like the giant scoop with the arm, and you might have you have the hydraulic controls and maybe a seat. Uh, if ah. if if your tractor is not just one that you just spin around, um, in your seat or whatever, and then do it. Um, but yeah, it's the thing on the back that the, with the big scoop and everything gotcha so that's the actual backhoe and then the device becomes a backhoe the ba- yeah it's got that thing yeah and some of them got them built in just by default and others you can just if you have a tractor like my tractor or whatever you can buy and just have it attached you know attach it quite easily well just casually mention that you have a tractor i do it's a very nice tractor it's air conditioning the whole thing yeah it's so great <laughs> when i was a kid when i was a kid i had an old uh, my parents had an old massey ferguson like from the, i don't know the 60s or something and this tractor yeah. It's, it's a Massey Ferguson well, but like a modern one with air conditioning. I used to like bake in the sun, you know, when you're out doing stuff. And this one is just so nice. You just kick on the air conditioner, turn on the radio, which I didn't, never had a radio before. Wow, la-di-da. It's awesome. Yeah. I think uh, we should give something a plug. We started something new, didn't we? Uh, Today in History. I, I, oh. I realize we'll be plugging this when this podcast goes out like a week yeah. after we actually launched this or two weeks. But Today in History is now a thing. We, we basically now we're doing... I should have come up with some like catchphrase for this before we got into today's <laughs> podcast. Because I'm like, it's kind of about today in history. And I realize that's not a really good explanation. But um, how would yeah. you describe it? Uh, well, the actual incarnation, as it turned out, rather than what we had planned, is it's similar to our normal stuff. But it more uh, more today, I found out stuff, but more like history oriented, very strongly history oriented instead of being like a why. And it's got, you know, always an interesting story and something significant in history that you might and definitely ones we focus on stuff you probably don't know about. So like a, like the other day, people, it was D-Day and people were like, why didn't you cover D-Day? And it's like, well, but everyone knows about D-Day. And so it's like yeah. like this, this other one, which I think was like the the guy with the hole in his stomach, maybe was that one or, or the that one. or the, the duck, the necrophiliac duck. So if you want to, I mean, if you want to hear about necrophiliac ducks and guys with holes in their stomachs. This is both of them great, great episodes. Two of our, my favorite things we've done, we've produced in a little while, especially because Sam, our new video editor, just, he went, he was really funny in those ones. Yeah. The guy's got an amazing sense of humor. I really, I'm I'm proofing those videos when I get them back from him. I'm I'm genuine. You know, when you type LOL and you're kind of like, that really means like I have a half smirk on my face. Yeah, I was like, I was actually having a good laugh at my computer. So that was, that yeah. was nice. Especially, especially the second one, which I was not even expecting the duck to make an appearance in the, in the stomach one where all of a sudden the duck just flies in and then, I don't know, go watch the video. Because if I, if I describe it here, it's going to sound really awful, but you have to yeah. watch if both. If you have no idea what we're talking about, that's a perfect reason to go check out our new yeah. video series, Today in History, which you can find on the Today I Found Out channel, Monday to Friday. Yeah, it's great. Go cool. check it out. In addition to our regular stuff. So don't worry, you're not missing out. Let me just, I, I realize we're already kind of pushing that eight minute mark. Let's get some reviews done and then let's get into talking about road trips and cars and, and bends. Oh, and one more thing. We are at 95 reviews now on iTunes. So if people want to get in on the, uh, the first contest, the 100 review contest, uh, the, the, now's the time because by the time we record the next one, we'll be, we'll be announcing the winner, I'm sure. I, I sure hope so. When we get to 100 reviews, we're going to give $100 to one random first reviewer on iTunes just because 
it's iTunes and that they're the big, big guy. But um, we'll, at other points in the future, we'll revisit the other ones as well. But yeah, go over, leave us a review and get in on that. Let me just thank some people who have reviewed. Rebit says, the most Canadian guy I've ever heard talks about random topics with someone with the strangest Scottish accent I've ever heard. That was a terrible Scottish accent. I like the UTFO YouTube channel, but far more relaxed and it's like, it's like, oh, what's wrong with me today? It's like the Today I Found Out YouTube channel, but far more relaxed and tangenty. I realize I had to rate it five stars after listening to the growing a YouTube channel release. I'm not remotely interested in starting a YouTube channel as I don't really care about how it works. However, they made it very interesting and I listened to every minute of it. Simon's Irish brogue <laughs> is a bit daunting at times. But you get used to it after a while. Obviously, I'm not Irish. You're not Canadian. Although you're basically in Canada. Everyone thinks I have a Canadian accent, so... You do sound like my Canadian friend. Yeah, yeah. It's the right area, so... I'm, well, I should say the, for the western side of Canada. Obviously, completely wrong accent for the other side. Yeah, he's, he's from Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, there's another one, Dark Magic Magicon. Magicon uh, 2904. This is my favorite podcast next to Story Break. I don't know Story Break, but I've got to check this out. Yeah, I've never heard of that one either. I like to drive around and listen to podcasts as I work, pizza delivery, mm -hmm. but plus I have Simon's voice on my GPS, a <laughs> Patreon supporter. There, yeah, if you want me on your GPS, uh, patreon.com forward slash there found out. We did like uh, for Tom Tom and Garmin, I think, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. like at the intersection, take a left. I actually have your... You do? Because I, I was... Yeah, I was testing that out a long time ago on my GPS, you know, when you first made it, just to make sure it worked. And then I, I, I just still have it on there. So you still That's give cool. me directions on the GPS. We'll have to do a Tesla version at some point. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> each episode is like two friends talking about something they just learned about, and I like it a lot. Thank you very much. And then uh, Ginger T-Marker? T-Mature? Mm -hmm. I, I would say Marker, probably. Marker? T-Marker? Like Schumacher? Uh, I've enjoyed the YouTube channel for a while. This is a great addition, and I enjoy the structure. P.S. It's a shame. It's a shame Simon isn't single, and he's too far away. Oh no, he's handsome. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm a uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> a bespectacled bald man. <laughs> he's one of the reasons I enjoy watching the show on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, well, that's nice of her to say. I'm assuming her. I hope her. <laughs> it's not always the case, you know, as you were telling me earlier. <laughs> no, not always the case. Uh, definitely not always the case. And thank you to everyone else who reviewed, who we, who we didn't pull out. We appreciate it just as much. But, you know, at some point we have to get into the content. Yeah. One more thing. The Omicron 13 on the forum noted. Uh, so we were talking about in the previous episode about how the British, about that awkwardly standing British guy in the photo with no, mm, with no yeah. dress, you, you know, know like I, traditional I dress. I, I left out this out on purpose because I don't want to, no one wants to talk about Morris Duff. <laughs> This is so weird. I have no, seen Morris dancing. No, I have This is why I wanted to bring it up because I was like, I have no idea what a Morris dancer is. It's really bizarre. I, it's like the duck thing. I, podcasting won't do it justice. If you are curious about Morris dancing, go have a look on YouTube. Tell me about road trips, man. Yeah. Okay. Road trips. Getting into it. We're going to first start out by talking about the, the first car and the road trip that saved it from obscurity. And so to begin with, we're looking at like, so like Henry Ford made the, um, made the car affordable to the middle class. Basically, mm -hmm. you could, adjusting for inflation, his $500, or I believe what the initial price of the Model T was, uh, it adjusts to roughly around $12,000 today. So it was something that, you know, a lot of people could afford. Yeah. Um, but before this, long before this, I think, what was it, about three decades before this, in fact, German engineer Carl Benz, he made the first commercially available gasoline-powered motor vehicle or petrol-powered motor vehicle. 
Um, and it was called the Motor Wagon, and he made it in 1885. It was also, he referred to it as the Model 3. It was the third iteration, and it was the first one where he made commercially available. He's going to try to sell it. But before we get too deep into that, we should probably go back because a lot of people don't know about the history of cars, and it's kind of interesting um, what came before. I was, uh, sorry, just, I know we just started, but already going on a tangent. I was just reading, I just finished Elon Musk's uh, biography. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was talk of the Model 3 as the name for the Tesla Mm -hmm. and his trouble, you know, the legal considerations he had to make with the Ford company Mm -hmm. because of, you know, the Model T and Mm -hmm. the various other names that they maybe trademarked or something around that same time. And this he wanted. Yeah, he wanted the model model um, E so he could make the S, E, X and then the Y coming out here. (laughs) It'd be sexy as cars. So uh, but yeah, yeah, for some reason, that one must still I would assume must have been made after the whatever you know, copyrights uh, expired, so so they must still have it. Whereas the Model, yeah. the model 3 he could go with, because obviously there was many Model 3s, and Carl Benz's was one of the first in 1885, so you can pretty much call it whatever you want then. Um, so getting back into the uh, the first cars, so um, his design here, while it's considered like the first car, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was just sort of a, a progression of many um, inventions that have come before. Many people were inventing the same type of thing. And actually, if you go all the way back to 1479, uh, Leonardo da Vinci has what is considered to be basically the the first instance of someone tr- trying to think up like a design for a car that you could sit in, humans could sit in, and it would it yeah. would self-propel, basically. Um, there was, like, I feel like if you had to guess like who would have come up with the drawing yeah. first, yeah. da Vinci. Before this, there were like in China and stuff, people had made toys like spring powered little stuff. But this, his design, his, what he was thinking was actually something humans could sit in and drive. And his, in 1479, he had the design for a spring driven car or horseless wagon. Um, but there's mm-hmm. no actual proof that he actually built the thing. Um, so that's, you know, most people just, you know, but he had the design. It's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. And then a few hundred years later, steam engines became very popular. Um, and so the the first there was um, 1769 Frenchman Nicolas Joseph Cugnot, probably. French accents again. Nicolas Joseph Cugnot. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so he he had the he's generally considered to be the first to make a uh, self propelled vehicle um, that was good for human travel. And this had a top speed of uh, basically a brisk walk. It was about <laughs> two miles an hour or 3.2 kilomo- uh, kilometers per hour. Is that even a brisk walk? <laughs> Yeah, it's more of a, yeah it, it is not the most brisk walk maybe that was an exaggeration but it was uh and not only this but you had to stop four or five times every hour to refill the tank with water and then wait for the pressure to build back up before it would start going again yeah he actually uh this coming back to he's also considered to be probably the first person to ever get in a car accident um as you might expect oh. being the first to actually make a working model uh, so in 1771, uh, he he invited a lot of French officials to come join him on a little test ride to sort of debut it. Maybe the military wanted something, some of this technology, an improved version, obviously. How bad can a car crash be when you're going two miles per hour? It's well, the like, thing is, they didn't have they didn't have steering wheels. You know, they were using various contraptions. You know, I don't know what his car particularly used, but it was probably like a tiller thing. They were using stuff like this. So it wasn't like and no power steering. So he hit like a rock. And you're using like the wooden wagon wheels, like it could definitely all of a sudden just like twist on you, and then you know you're not might not have the strength to get it going back straight. So, but yeah, so okay. he he careens out of control, smashes into someone's garden wall at a nail biting, of course, that top speed of two mm-hmm. miles per hour. Um, 
So there, there isn't actually a lot of documented uh, reference to this or contemporary. So some historians are like, ah, maybe did this actually happen? Like, this is a thing. I don't know. But we'll get into the bonus facts, what the actual real hard documented evidence shows as the first the first car accident. But it, it also wasn't going very fast. When I, when I was a kid, I, I was surprised. Like, I, I went to some fair or something and they had this device which demo like uh it simulated a car crash at five miles per hour mm -hmm. and i was like how bad can it be and it's kind of it was uh like a car seat like a, a chair from a car on rails mm -hmm. and it would slide down the rails and then hit a stop immediately and it would simulate this five miles per hour crash and it was to demonstrate the importance of wearing a seatbelt. Mm -hmm. because like you kind of think like two miles per hour that's 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 nothing but this was quite a like yeah. into the seatbelt. Yeah. And I was like, if I wasn't wearing that, I would be out of that chair. Well, you could think about it, Like if you were walking along and you just walked into a wall, like at a normal walking pace, like it's going to hurt. Yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I've walked into a couple of lampposts in my time. <laughs> out. It's because I'm always like, <laughs> it'll be like, oh, okay, I'll just quickly reply to that email while I'm walking to get my lunch or uh, send there. Bodong. Oh, crap. Either way, Kino's car, while being first, wasn't terribly practical. So we have to fast forward mm. About six decades later. Terribly practical, not practical at all. <laughs> you got to fill it up. It goes two miles per hour. Yeah, it's probably going to break down <laughs> continually. Yeah. But so, yeah, so six decades later or so. Uh, also, Scott... you got to be, there's a, there's a fire. Go it's a steam powered thing. Yeah, right? so you got to feed the so fire. you got a fire going on. Anyway. Scotsman Robert Anderson, he made a much better version. And this this is a great version. And it's an electric car using, uh, unfortunately, a non-rechargeable battery. But um, it was an electric car. It did move. Um, just not very fast or for very long, but he, he you know, yeah. he gets the, the distinction of being the first to make an electric car. And then uh, his fellow countryman, Robert Davidson, um, kind of expanded on this. And in 1841, he made a car, that, uh, electric car that could go 1.5 miles or 2.4 kilometers in less than 30 minutes. So that it actually went a long ways, but on, um, similar to Robert Anderson's version, it needed a new battery. It was a non-rechargeable battery system, so that's not that's, uh, that's not gonna that's not good for the environment. Yeah, proof of concept anyway. And it was quiet, uh -huh. unlike steam engines and all this. And uh, yeah, quiet. Uh, as we'll get into more, but three miles per hour, roughly there, over three miles per hour. Oh, one one point five. It was two point four kilometers. Um, per hour. So. Yeah, but in less than thirty minutes. Oh yeah. Oh so yeah. We're talking like yeah, three yeah, miles absolutely. per hour. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the, that's great. That's, that's and quiet. Speedy. And you just press the or whatever they did for the throttle. It probably wasn't a pedal. Actually, it was probably some sort of like a, a you know lever Giant or something. Lever that <laughs> yeah. They had to push. Yeah. Yeah. So now let's bring us to the internal combustion engine, which of course would soon come to dominate. Although not as soon as people think, uh, as we'll get into in a minute. The electric car actually was dominant for quite some time, um, for mm -hmm. a lot of good reasons. But um, so yeah, the first combustion engine. Uh, the first ones, they didn't actually take advantage of like a, they didn't have like the cylinder where they had this internal compression, compression, which you think like, how is this not obvious to do rather than just have, you know, they would have like this explosive thing, but it wasn't like contained to really make it, you know, powerful, basically. So yeah. uh, that didn't work out very well. But then in 1806, Swiss engineer Francois Isaac de Rivet probably. Sure, why not? He was the first to contract, uh, uh, to make an internal engine. He used a hydrogen and oxygen, or the first to use hydrogen and oxygen. And this was really explosive. Um, so it had actually had some power. So I'm just wondering, like, internal combustion is just like, that's how engines work in my mind. There's not, you know, there's not really another option. But if you, if you've got like external combustion, so there's no attempt at keeping it inside, 
how are you making that pressure that would push a... It wasn't like a completely enclosed design like we have like now where we have you have the valves that kind of close and open and all this to make sure everything's happening on the right stroke and everything, um, right part of thing for like maximal efficiency. But in these, they they, I mean, I assume there was some just the engineering of designing something, a system like that, that's so tightly made was probably, you know, beyond beyond their means or, you know, difficult with like blacksmiths or something. Yeah. I mean, we think like it's kind of, you know, with Tesla and all of these electric cars and stuff, you think, wow, this is such a step forward. But you open like the, 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 why don't I know this word? I think it's because I'm always trying to think of American words to, to be helpful to the audience. Um, the, the front of the car, not the, not the trunk, but the bonnet. What do you call a bonnet? Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the hood. The hood. You open the hood and it's like that thing is like now it just seems to be plastic and it's all enclosed and mm-hmm. it's quiet and it's it's technical yeah and really complex which is why of course uh, the electric car back then had so many advantages and uh, it was it was easier for them to make as well this is partially why it dominated because it's really hard to make a like a engine like we think of it an internal combustion engine that works really well and is reliable but it's not that hard to make an electric motor that were is really reliable and works well like it there is the problem is just the batteries which has you know been a problem right. up until very recently well you can think about physics class at school you got to play with electric motors all the time but the yeah. idea of having like an internal combustion engine to like yeah. play with so yeah. no it's 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 much more than magnets it's like an enclosed explosion happening really fast all the time yeah. over and over again yeah yeah yeah, and so and so, eighteen oh six. Francois, his his engine, his hydrogen oxygen, it, was, it actually provided a good amount of power, or relatively speaking, compared to what. But it still, it wasn't very good. Um, and but it did. The idea sort of um, morphed into Jean Joseph Etienne Lenore, his Hippomobile, mm-hmm. and this is considered the first sort of successful horseless carriage. It wasn't, um, as we'll get into, it wasn't like in the same class as Benz's later invention and and benz's version the reason why it's considered like the first internal combustion engine you know commercially available and all that um was just because it was it was really it was very similar to modern kind of sort of the overarching modern design of cars but yeah this one it it worked um it didn't look like a car like we it looked more like a boat but uh, it did work and it was in you know 1860 so that's that's yeah not bad you got to take your design cues from somewhere yeah yeah boats were around (laughs) they're like those things look nice well, I was I was doing I was doing a bunch of research into uh, the the Hugh Spruce Goose or mm-hmm. oh, uh, yeah. something we're we're working on right now. They used to call them flying boats, like the giant cargo. It, it wasn't a plane; it was a flying boat. And I did all of this research into flying boats, and it was crazy. Like planes that used to fly from like the U.S. to Europe on these like enormous like eighteen-hour journeys or whatever. They were like ships with different rooms and cabins and a restaurant and all of this stuff. It wasn't like a plane. Mm-hmm. It was a flying boat, like a cruise ship. Yeah. It was crazy. And I was looking at all these awesome pictures from the past and I was like, oh, sure beats economy. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing with like the airships. I know like they're, they're really not safe at all. But man, that would have been a nice way to fly if not for, you know, the burning death part of it. The largest airship in the world was in Prague last weekend, just flying oh, nice. around the city. And I was like, oh man, it was like, uh, it was some private company was doing a promotion or whatever. But I was like, I'd love to ride on that. That would be so cool huge thing yeah they're not like as safe and they also take a lot longer not nearly as fast but you know it's just a nice pleasant way to to travel i think it's like there's a there's a demand for like slow and comfortable travel otherwise you know yeah. people go on cruises i'd do like airship cruises that'd be awesome yeah and i think it is safe because they're not filling them with hydrogen anymore well yeah but there's there's other of like the uh, updrafts and stuff that sometimes were a problem you know that could you know they can't 
but, but I'm sure like that's a thing modern engineering can get around, like compared to the ones yeah. that were used to be built in like the mid 20th century and stuff. So anyway, so we have, uh, yeah, we have George Brayton in 1873. He makes a kerosene fueled engine, but this also, it was just, none of these were terribly powerful. Um, just their engine designs weren't, you know, typically very good. And so this brings us to 12 years later and we're coming back to Ben's. He used basically all these, all these things, you know, he was aware of the engineering and stuff. And he used these to come up with sort of like his, his version of things, his improvement. And so again, he didn't invent this in a vacuum. So a lot of people are like, oh, he didn't invent Mm -hmm. the car, even though, you know, he's given credit sort of inventing the the modern car, but you know, he's borrowing ideas from everyone as you do. And uh, yeah. What would you say that is Karlsruhe? The German city of Karlsruhe. I don't know. That was my German accent. probably not very good. I, I'm still taking cues from that guy who told me to just, you know, when you don't know how to pronounce something, just like do the accent and try and read it in the German accent. Like Karlsruhe. Yeah. But I don't know. Any Germans, let me know. I'm not trying to be offensive. So yeah, Benz was born in Karlsruhe in 1844 and his father unfortunately died when Benz was only two years old. He got hit by a train or in a railway accident of some sort. And since that time, he hated trains. <laughs> and he had to invent cars. Yes. And uh, interestingly enough, bicycles were a huge thing he loved as well. So maybe there was, he's a little traumatized by it, as you might, as you would be. Um, yeah. So he was quite, he grew up quite poor, but his uh, mother, um, rather than send him to a factory, as like Charles Dickens, you know, parents did when they got poor for a while, uh, his, his mm-hmm. mom was like, nope, education top priority. And so he went to school, ends up going to the University of Karlsruhe and uh, 15, and he graduated in 1864, um, mechanical. Wow. And basically his, his expertise was, as you might expect, mechanical engineering. He went to university at 15. Was that normal back in the day or was this guy just no, a I genius? Think, I think that was pretty normal. I guess everything kind of got started a bit earlier back then. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and then you look, uh, as we'll get into in one of the bonus facts, like kids at like 16 were doing amazing things. Um as well inventing yeah. things that just not really a thing. Well, because it's like you're going to die a whole lot earlier, so crack <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, he, he works various jobs for several years and then saves up enough mm-hmm. money, starts a company with August Ritter, and uh, the, con- the company just went down the tank you know, almost immediately, wow. mostly uh, because of issues with Ritter's management of the company. So he's on the verge of bankruptcy, you know, and uh, not things are not going well, and he meets Bertha Ringer, who would soon be his wife. Um, it's not really clear how they met or why she was definitely in a different class than him, like upper. Mm-hmm. She was she was really rich. She was a rich girl. And okay. um, yeah, not clear, but she she really liked him. And she very clearly, as you'll see, uh, believed in what he was doing um, and proved it over and over again. Oh, that's nice. So yeah, she was from the German town of Fotzheim, I'm going to guess. Yeah, I don't know. Do Germans, it's P-F-O-R-Z-Heim. I don't know. I guess, do Germans do silent Ps? I would think so. Because how else would you say that? Sure, yeah. Okay, so she was from there. So yeah, she was awarded a very large dowry. So basically, uh-huh. the, the point of that is, of course, so that when she marries, her husband would have enough money to make sure she still had the, um, you know, could have all the quality of life she was used to leading her whole life. Sure. But until she got married, her dowry was actually hers to do with as she wanted. And what she wanted to do was uh, invest in Carl Benz's company, even though it was about two years before they got married. And she, his, mm. you know, his company not doing well. And uh, she gave him lots of money, a big, a big amount. But unfortunately... Uh, the Benz's role in the company with the board, other shareholders kind of got marginalized. They didn't like his endless tinkering and things that he was doing. And so they kind of 
shoved him off to the side and uh, the company was um, not doing well, but he ends up getting out of that. And then so then she doubles down on him and is like, all right, I'll use the rest of my dowry and you can start a new company. And it was called Benz and C. Wow, this guy's got to be persuasive. Yeah, they're not even married. Uh, and she's huh. just like, this is this is the guy she, I don't know. She's got faith in him. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it works out for her, but partially because of her own as we'll get to in a moment, uh, her own her own actions. So he he ends up now that he's got his own company, he can do whatever he wants. And what he wants to do is work on various things to make a self-propelled uh, vehicle. And so he, okay. he basically what he does is he starts patenting various devices, many of which you'll see are just the modern modern car system or versions, you know, primitive versions of what we use now. And, uh, and then he would sell the patents to make money. So stuff he invented was like a throttle system, battery powered ignition system, which was super innovative at the time, uh, spark plugs, gear shifters, carburetors, the water radiator, which that one, a lot of the early motors, they just used air, even though they're only going like a few miles an hour, they're, they're just using air to cool. There's no... <laughs> Like this is no proper yeah, this was system. A, this was one of the reasons why none of them were terribly reliable because the motor is not going to last very long, no matter how well you design it uh, without being cooled. Isn't it crazy that these things you're mentioning, like I would, I, I believe most of these are probably still in most modern yeah, version, cars. versions of it, obviously not yeah. necessarily the version. No, I mean, obviously not the, yeah. the original like battery powered yeah. ignition system, but like an electric ignition system is. Yeah. And the, the clutch, the clutch as well. The uh, clutch. Was the water radiator. Yeah, because at, at this time, uh, and for some time after even, even though there was this battery-powered ignition system, uh, a lot of people just used the hand crank, which was dangerous. Oh, yeah, that would tear people's arms off. Yeah, them, right? yeah, it could. If you, not quite so bad, but... It, it was definitely a dangerous thing if you didn't, you know, if you weren't careful. Obviously, it was fine if you, if you know what you're doing and all that, but um, it could be dangerous yeah. anyway. So this is what he's doing. He's selling the patents, making some decent mm. money, and... Um, Finally, we're mid-1880s, and he comes up with his uh, kind of the the patent for his motor wagon. And it's a three-wheeled vehicle with one-cylinder, four-stroke gasoline engine, um, or I should say petrol engine or whatever you want to call it, a petrol-based engine, anyway. Okay. Because it actually used something, uh, it wasn't, it was a kind of a version of what, of gasoline, but different... um, Legroin. the thing that they had to end up buying at pharmacy? Yeah, Legroin is what it was called. Yeah. Uh, So it was just (laughs) a, you know, petrol, petroleum-based product that they used as a solvent and so it was readily yeah. available so it was a great thing to make your car run on i can imagine they, they invent this and they're like wow this is so much better than those electric cars we're no longer having to throw away all these batteries <laughs> yeah yeah and this would be great for that, the environment. that was the thing if the battery technology had just been better back then the yeah. electric car would have just dominated because it was so superior in so many ways and it still it still is superior other than you know with the advancements in battery technology is getting rid of the the only problem there but if, even today battery technology has not moved properly quickly compared to yeah. the other stuff that we've got around i mean batteries are kind of they've got better well it's got it's but... like or it's a lot of orders of magnitude better in the last decade particularly and the, the price is yeah. dropping uh, rapidly but uh, well i should say battery technology itself in terms of what in theory is possible uh is i mean amazingly better but of course you have to be able to mass produce it to make it useful um, which is the rub on a lot of the, yeah. the stuff that comes out but we're still we're still kind of working on the metal technology though. I mean, we moved to lithium and there's not really a better metal than lithium. And it's like in order to make another leap forward, it's quite tricky because there's not a better metal. I think there was unless we move to a completely different battery technology. There's actually not very much lithium in lithium ion batteries and lithium polymer batteries. It's a, it's a quite a small amount and the, the yeah, the chemistry is getting good and everything like that and getting lighter and cheaper. 
Um, and like I think Tesla's, they said by 2020 should be under $100 per kilowatt manufacturer, which is just insane. Wow. Um, and they're not that far from it right now anyway. But um, yeah. but yeah, so others at the time, like uh, Gottlieb Daimler was uh, was independently working on basically the same type of stuff that Benz was working on. Uh, but Benz got there first. And uh, he basically is considered to have made with his motor wagon the first world's first practical, commercially available internal combustion engine powered automobile. So kind of just a version of the modern car. So after he completes this, he goes to demonstrate it to the public, right? This is a great thing he's produced. It's, it's compared to anything else on the road. It's much more reliable, all that. But the problem was when he goes to demonstrate it, it didn't really go well. Uh, one of the drivers crashed it into a wall um, and it scared a lot of the, uh, the, uh, the you know, onlookers and stuff who were, he was trying to, to sell it to, to show it off. And then we're talking about Benz's thing here, not Daimler's. Yes, Benz. We're back to yeah, Benz. Cool. By the way, is that Daimler? Is Daimler a car make as well? Yeah, yeah. Daimler is still around. Daimler Chrysler. Uh, Daimler makes trucks, I think. In the, they're big. I think Daimler's just not one that's crossed the ponds um, necessarily. I, I see some Chryslers, but they're not. You don't. See oh, that's them well. That's just the Daimler bought Chrysler, I think. Because um, Daimler originally. Ah, so Daimler's like the parent company. Yeah, originated in Europe. So. Uh, ah, yeah, ah. yeah. Yeah, that would make sense with the name Gottlieb. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's cool that these guys, you know, these are still names we recognize today. There's not a lot of businesses that were started, you know, in the late 19th century. Yeah, there's still kicking around. Yeah, it's, it's funny because uh, in one of the, the Today in History is coming up is um, the one on the 12th, I think. Uh, Michelin, right? So Michelin is what is a, it's just a throw in bonus fact of the Michelin brothers ended up entering this race that we talk about in the thing. And they don't they don't even finish. But what made their thing unique was that they were using pneumatic tires, which, of course, is what Michelin would eventually become known for is their tires and not their cars, because their car actually the funny part about their car, it was nicknamed the lightning. And it was not because it yeah. was fast. It was because the, the steering mechanism was so bad that it, it traveled in a zigzag pattern. <laughs> they couldn't make it go straight. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was nicknamed the lightning for that reason. Wow. Pretty funny. Um, but anyways, so the demonstration of the motor wagon didn't go well for Benz. And he suffered from bouts of depression and a lot of self-doubt. And so he just kind of went back in his workshop. He's going to design a new, better version of the car rather than continue to try to sell it. And his wife, Bertha Benz, was like, no, that's not what we're going to do here. This paints a really interesting picture of this guy because like this depression and his self-doubt and then his wife, he's kind of like, kind of like you're, you're a brilliant man. You can do it. It's, yeah. it's nice. I like the story. Yeah. Yeah. And so she, she does. She takes the matters into her own hands quite literally without talking to him. Uh, on August of 1888, she, she goes yeah. to finally, she's like, no, enough is enough. We're going to we're going to show this car off. And so she wakes up early, wakes her, her teen sons, Eugene and Richard up. They sneak out of the house. Uh, they, you know, they pack the little little thing and they sneak out of the house uh -huh. and they push the Model 3 motor wagon away from the house so she can start it up when her husband won't wake him up. So he won't you know, come out and be like, what are you doing? Uh, so they go away and her 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 goal is to go to Fortsheim. 65 miles away and this has never been done before this is the first road trip they, they, previous to this like some of the longest car rides ever were these like um it's basically a mile and then the car would usually break down uh so yeah this is this one mile right and she's wants to go 65 off this car that's never tried anything like this and nobody's car has ever done anything like this and she's just gonna go do it this is what she's gonna do okay spend her day and uh she's like 
she's the opposite of a husband then. Like he has this extreme self-doubt and she's like, eh, I could probably do this. Yeah. She's Let's like, You're, this is a great design. It's going to work. And so she goes wow. and she's, and the whole point of this, of course, is to drum up publicity. She knows along the way, people are going to hear the car. It's going to hear a lot of commotion. People are going to go, whoa, what is this thing going along? And it's going to, a lot of publicity, which is the whole point. People are going to want to buy it when they see that it can do this thing. And so she's going to take the first road trip. Um, and unfortunately she left him a note though. Uh, and, and unfortunately the note, what it actually said is lost to history. No one knows what that note, what she wrote. Oh. It was, yeah, uh, I know. That would have been interesting to see what, what she said, like, hey, going for a road trip. But yeah, she's going to visit her mother. I, I, I like to think it would say something like, off to see mother took the car. Yeah, <laughs> no big deal. Um, but yeah, yeah so... Was the Motorwagen. <laughs> yeah, and it's, a, it's also important to note out here that this, this is a rocky, unpaved a lot of the way. This is not like on a nice road either. So she's just trusting oh, yeah. that the car is going to be able to handle all this um, just fine. And so, yeah, she did have to make a lot of repairs along the way because it just, you know, never tried something like this. So things were bound uh -huh. to come up there and that Ben's hadn't even considered, which you'll see in a moment. She's going 65 times longer than the car has <laughs> ever gone. Yeah, before. well, they're like any any gasoline powered car, like steam powered cars had done, you know, a little longer trips than a mile. But they still, yeah. you know, it wasn't like no one ever tried a road trip like this anyway. And an internal combustion engine car, no, um, no a mile basically is what the, you know, like the records were. So yeah, the first thing she discovers is going up hills with three people in the car and, and their stuff. It didn't really work out. They had to get out and like push up the hills. And so this was her, one of her first suggestions when she got back was, hey... The 2.5 horsepower oh, engine. Yeah, we need to we need a we need a lower gear to be able to shift yeah. into so that it can handle it. Um, yeah, and then along the way, like you, we mentioned earlier, she's had to stop at pharmacies to get Legroin to to power the thing. And uh, yeah, oh, that's the that's the the petrol. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and so the uh, yeah she had to make a, a repair to the car's ignition along the way using her garter. She to insulate some of the there was a oh. shorted wire, and she just you know took her garter, fixed <laughs> that right up. Uh, fuel line became. Yeah, fuel line became clogged, so she got out uh, got out her hairpin and, and unclogged it. <laughs> uh, drive chain broke, so she found a blacksmith and, and showed him what she needed to do to get it repaired. And, wow. Yeah, and she's going along. And this this actually, this next one is, is quite significant, because I'm not sure if she was the first to ever try. I think she was the first to ever, ever think of this, and I don't know how this wasn't like something everyone thought of. So they all used wooden brakes. So this this was like a thing with wagons, so presumably that's where it come over. But when you're talking about a car that's going... A wooden brake is just a bad idea. You're talking a lot of yeah. friction, and it's as she just it got hot, it cracked everything, and I mean yeah, even and wood's wood's fairly combustible. Yeah, not the best idea. And so when the brakes broke, she went to a uh, um, uh, shoe repair. Uh, what would you call that? Uh, cobbler. Yeah, <laughs> cobbler. Cobbler. Not a shoesmith. Yeah, yeah a shoesmith. Smith. It should be a shoesmith. I'm just thinking of blacksmith and uh, yeah. shoesmith. Cobbler. Yeah, so she goes to a cobbler and she says, all right, I need some leather. And she shows him how to put it on the wooden blocks for the brakes. And now she has uh -huh. the world's first brake pads uh, to, uh -huh. to sort of get around the problem. And she attach, has them attached that for that function. Um, and this was another thing. When she got back, she had so many, you know, so much stuff to to say, like how things go, you know, with with Carl Benz and and these it needs this, this improvement. And she suggested a lot of stuff. And this the brake pads was one of the ones he implemented immediately because it was just a genius idea. Very simple. Nothing like a proper test run. Yeah. To see, you know, work out the kinks. And so finally, yeah. uh, including repair time, she makes the 65 mile trip in less than 12 hours, arriving in the evening. So that's about an average pace of 8.7 kilometers per hour or 5.4 miles per hour, including stops. So that is not bad at all for, for such a road trip on crappy roads and everything. 
And for our international listeners, that's a hundred and just shy of 105 kilometers. So that is a that is a distance. Yeah, along the way, obviously, she made a huge commotion, and she when she got there, she telegrammed Carl to be like, "Hey, I got, I'm fine. We're all good." boys are here. Did she like notify people ahead of time that she was doing this? Because it no. seems rather like no, but offhand. You can but, see like, how do people find the, out the about car, this? These cars were loud. They didn't exactly have mufflers like we. <laughs> and you can think even, a, even like a lawnmower. Think about a lawnmower. Right? With, yeah, it's pretty pretty loud. Yeah, because especially if you are unfamiliar with the technology of lawnmowing. Yeah, exactly. Like, wow, what is that sound? Exactly. A hurricane. Exactly. And so they, they didn't, you know, have proper mufflers like we would we would have so this is these were loud and i'm sure she attracted a lot of attention with the banging and all that and so yeah so when she when she telegrammed he already knew that she had successfully completed the journey because it was all over the news the local news everywhere uh, that this this car that had done this thing that no one else had ever done before yeah so the, and as you might expect uh orders started pouring in oh i should we should go back about her she she stays there for a few days and then she makes the trip back but purposefully takes a different way back just so she can, uh, you know, expose the car to different people. And yeah, so yeah. 120 miles round trip, uh, less than 24 hour driving, including repair and refueling time. And she makes it successfully quite amazing. That is very cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, so orders start pouring in. His business is, you know, turns around. I mean, he was struggling at that point. No one was wanting his car. And then it, it all works out. And so this, this is one of the, this is an amazing quote. Uh, so Carl Benz himself writes this about his his wife because she she supported him financially first when, when he was on the verge of bankruptcy all that and yeah. then now now with her her promotional sense and her gumption there and so in his memoirs he says only one person remains with me in the small ship of life when it seemed destined to sink that was my wife bravely and resolutely she set the new sails of hope Aww. There you go. She, yeah, that's great. They, uh, they made a good team, clearly. Clearly, yeah. There's a good. Yeah. I feel like there's a good movie in this one. I feel there's a good movie in all of these. At some point, we we gotta have someone, you know, write to us and it's like, guys, I just finished a screenplay based on this thing you did. You know what's funny cool. about that is I actually a couple of years ago I did uh, what was it? Uh, Hobbs and his locks. Hobbs and his locks. You remember yeah. that one? Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. was this the guy about the 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 lock picking? Yeah, exactly. Dude? The, the awesome and someone someone. I don't remember what studio he had an email address from studio emails me and it's like we'd like to buy the rights to this to this story and I was like well I, that's great but it's I don't my story. it's not my story it's a fact you can't you can't copyright facts yeah you can't copyright facts. Uh, like yeah so I don't really know and of course from that nothing ever came of it and I don't know I've never seen anyone have made a movie on that but clearly they were thinking someone within one of those studios was thinking about making it into a movie but and it, it would have made a great movie um if someone ever does it and that's a, that's a pretty popular one on YouTube. The podcast before that was all. Hobbs and Locks is a good one. Yeah, I, it was it was a while ago now, but it was about some guy who was a master lock picker, and he went to England, right? Yeah, and just like picked his way through all these locks that were considered and and the one particularly in in London and 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 all throughout the UK was it was this lock that like everyone used uh, to secure all their valuables, banks, everything, because they thought it was unpickable. It right? was uh, apparently no one had ever done it before, and he not only did it, but he did it. I I think it was no time at all. He just like picked it and it was it was a particular lock because when you would do it if you did it wrong even just for a, even just for a second it would just lock and there was no way to open it uh, then without like some master thing uh had master thing that you had to get uh to get it to open then after that yeah. and he didn't he didn't need that he could just pick it perfectly the first time and it was quite an interesting thing yeah I, and i think this was the important thing as well was once you tried to pick it 
and then they needed the master key to open it, the person who owns the safe would know that someone had tried to pick yeah. it and there was nothing you could do to like un undo that yeah. trap that's fallen or whatever. Yeah, And, was, and this was like uh, super smart. And he's just, no problem for me. I'll yeah. pick my way through that. And he that. had that great quote too. I think it was like, uh, hey, there's something wrong with your lock. And they were like, what? And he's like, it doesn't keep the door shut. <laughs> and then opens it. It's great. But anyways, yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I guess people can go to the YouTube video or the uh, the old podcast. It was the, I think it's the last episode we published on that. Did we do the video about, uh, or, or a previous podcast about lead and the engine knocking? We've done a video on it, I think. This was, I, I really like this about why there's so much lead in the atmosphere and how it yeah. affected people and all of this stuff because of that uh, Charles Mudgett, Mudgett, someone Mudgett, was it Charles Mudgett? I can't remember. And then he invented something else that was actually like good, but then turned out to be terrible. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, I can't uh, remember the details of that, but yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, I should have looked this up before um, before doing this one today because it reminded me of it a lot. That's a great one. Just, mm -hmm. uh, I guess if you search like lead. Yeah, why, why lead used to be out. added to gasoline, I think is uh, what we title it. You are exactly right. And I feel like that title should definitely have a question mark on the end. We don't <laughs> have that on the YouTube This is video. the problem is because when we do the titles, you know, I put it, I put what I think anyway, the title, sometimes you change it, but the, uh, the, in the, in as the title of the document, but you can't do a lot of punctuation. Like you can't do a question mark when you save it. Uh, so, you, and you can't do, I want to say quotes and, and a couple other things. So I have to leave that out. Ah, what, but I'm not looking at the YouTube version. I'm looking at the one on your website. Well, that's just on me then. <laughs> No, but you're absolutely right because sometimes, it, 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 I, it, yeah, when you're when you're renaming a file, they'll be like, boop, boop, yeah, you can't use a question mark, and I'm like, it's 2018, guys, <laughs> what's up with this? Yeah, you'd think when, yeah Windows would fix that, but although maybe maybe it's fine because it would be why did lead used to be added to gasoline if it was a question, right? Because this is if oh yeah, there like, we go. Why lead used yeah. to be added to gasoline? Yeah, it's not a question, but you could be why lead used. No, that's not a question. This is correct. We were not wrong on this one, although we often are. So thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. Stay tuned for uh, maybe this will be Friday or Monday. So have a great weekend or a great week, one or the other, while you wait for the next one about uh, cars and such. Uh, do forget, do not forget to leave us a review. Go over to iTunes. We're really close. We're like 95 reviews right now. When we get to 100, we're doing a giveaway of a $100 Amazon gift voucher, whatever that is in your local currency and two $25 gift vouchers for the runners-up. So do give us a review. doesn't matter what it is, one star to five star. We, I, 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 don't know, I don't know, do we really appreciate them all? We appreciate the feedback. The feedback the is valuable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let us know how we're doing. We, we love to know about that. Also, uh, go check out our new series on YouTube, Today in History. And uh, yeah, let's wrap it up there, shall we? So if you want to, I mean, if you want to hear about necrophiliac ducks and guys with holes in their stomachs, today in history. <laughs>